Hello and welcome to another episode of 10,000 Hours. I'm Grant Spanier. And I'm Vince Kochi. Ooh, Vinny, Vinny, Vinny. Oh, I I almost forgot about just how monumental of an episode this is. Yeah, the first in, uh, in a new century of episodes, numerically. And the very first, it seems like such a powerful number. The very first palindrome in this second century, 101... One, zero, one. That's a true three-digit palindrome oh, uh, our for first. all you out there saying that palindromes are only for words. Or, or, for, or for two-digit numbers. You're dead wrong. You're so wrong. You're so off. <laughs> and we took uh, the opportunity uh, of the entire episode to, to really <laughs> to dig into that. It. Now, what did we talk about, Grant? We what were, did we talk about? Yeah, we were chatting with uh, Mitch Goldstein, who is a design professor uh, who has his MFA, and he is teaching in New York, in Rochester, and incredibly thoughtful dude. We were talking about method. Method, yeah, the how to to the oft-discussed what and why here on the show. Um, he went into, you know, some nuts and bolts stuff like systems and processes, but also more holistic stuff like his philosophy, his approach to teaching, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. It was really interesting. Yeah, yeah. It was, we have a lot of thoughtful people on the show. I will say this is one of the more thoughtful. I think that is a very safe thing to say. Okay. And correct, and correct, yes. Uh, man, when I'm thinking about method... You know, one of our methods for producing the show, it's a question we get asked a lot, is how do we, how do you get that thing on iTunes? <laughs> I have actually heard that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And Seriously. the response is we use a little tool called Simplecast, uh, which makes it quite easy to get your podcast right onto iTunes, onto all the major platforms. It's uh, very, very intuitive, very easy to use, and uh, just kind of lets your podcast gets out of the way. So shouts out to uh, to Simplecast for being a great product that we have used for about 101 episodes. <laughs> Just about approximately 101. Uh, yes, thank you, Simplecast. Thank you to Mitch Goldstein for joining us on the show. And thank you, listeners. Hope you enjoy episode 101, Method. Seth Rogen. Oh, nice. Uh-huh. I get a lot of Seth Rogen. I, I don't think there's a, a lot. I don't think a lot of times people would describe his baritone as uh, concealing <laughs> wisdom. I would agree. <laughs> uh, maybe it'll come out. Maybe once we get the ball rolling, the Roganism will come out. Um, Vince. Grant? I've, I've been sitting here for the past few minutes and it's been on the tip of my tongue but i must admit earlier this evening earlier today even this week i've just had this thing on my mind mm, a bit of a question i can i can feel you literally chomping at some sort of bit yeah that's uh i sometimes feel like i'm is it is it a chipmunk? I'm, it's some form of rodent that if they don't, maybe it's a hamster. If they don't chew on things, uh, their teeth will actually grow up and into their brain and kill them. <laughs> Wait, I thought that was like a myth about beavers. Is that real? Is that like actually real? I don't. I didn't. I hadn't heard about beavers. I actually thought it might have been like hamsters or something. 
I learned that from the the Nickelodeon cartoon Angry Beavers. Okay, yeah, I think I remember that one a bit. Uh, there was a sort of a tumultuous relationship between male and female beaver husband and wife or <laughs> I, I think you've you've cross-pollinated that with the honeymooners uh they were they were two adult beaver roommates both male huh well anyway the, <laughs> the two points i think that we're making are one is uh i do feel like i need, i'm sort of orally fixated and i need to chew on things uh lest i die by my own teeth um, and second, I had something I was chomping at the aforementioned bit about, and it was a question. And the question is, Vince, what are you working on? What are you putting your time into? Finally, some that relief. Was, you know, actually, pretty delightful. Pretty delightful run-up. Um, you know, the the shoot I was on a couple weeks ago now? City of Angels. That's right. Los Angeles um, for XL Energy has now gone into edit and in a music selection, et cetera, et cetera, color correction. You know, there's a specific job just for color correction. You know, I thought the editor would have handled that. I would have been wrong. So I'm learning a lot, and there's a lot of I's to dot and T's to cross. And so I've uh, been busy with all that. It's been very exciting, though. Welcome to my world a little bit. Yeah, no kidding. Just seeing uh, production all the way through. It's, it's, been, it's been really educating and been really exciting. Um, so that's what I've been working on. Grant, what have you been putting your time into recently? Yeah, I've been wrapping up uh, some music video stuff, which is like, now I'm over the hump and I'm feeling good. I will say, right, right in that dip, in that mid-range, I kind of question, like, why the fuck do I do any music videos? We have no money. This takes so much time. This is exhausting. <laughs> but now I'm, I'm back into it. We're almost done shooting, and then we'll move on to the next stage of the process, which it sounds like you're in right now. Uh, so I've been working on that quite a bit. It's been good. And then, uh, you know, my, my duties with that, the stock, uh, and that stuff's uh, rolling, feeling good about it. Yeah. Yeehaw, indeed. You know, there's another reason to cheer, to give the old whoop, the old hoot and holla. Yeah, that old 10,000 hours. Yeehaw! The Howard Dean repurposed soundbite type situation. Uh, and it's because our guest this week is super, super awesome. Super, super awesome. The double super. Not many guests get that distinction. We're pretty selective with that. I would say judicious with it. Absolutely. And I felt like uh, you mentioned something about, you said something about it's been educational, perhaps your process. This, yes. This gentleman that's joining us uh, all the way from the East Coast, I we haven't asked, but I believe he's on the East Coast right now, uh, is a bit of an educator himself. He's a professor at the Rochester Institute of Technology. I believe he's a grad of RISD and of VCU. And I, I kind of want to dig into that a little bit because he's got his master's in some form of visual communication or design, which is really fascinating to me. That's like, I feel like I did a little bit of undergrad in there, but I can't imagine what the master's program looks like. And we'll, uh, we'll show notes his site, which... Maybe he'll correct me. I think it's MitchGoldstein.net. And now I've given a little bit of a hint as to who Whoa, the guest might be. Oh, is that a spoiler? Spoiler. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, maybe we'll bleep that out. We'll have our editor bleep out the website there. And then that will mask if I actually got it wrong. But uh, just looking at some of his work is good context for the conversation to come. And perhaps we can just introduce him now. Mitch Goldstein, welcome to the podcast. Gentlemen, thank you for having me here. Did I get the quite, website quite right? Quite the intro. Quite the intro. Well, uh, you, you actually got the website wrong, but you did it with such gusto. 
and he did it so so assertively correct. I might have to change my URL. Could I could I have you now say a version? Say you actually did get the website right, Grant. Actually, it's amazing, Grant. You got that so right. Cool. I'm sure our editor will have chopped that up. He'll have bleeped out the original website uh, claim. Perfect. It's pitchgoldstein.com. Uh, .com. Who's still in the dark. You know what it is? It's that educational vibe that was like, you know, .net. It feels like it's OG education. Right, right. You should get that one, too. And the .edu. I should buy all of them. We'll look into and that. And .info and .edu. Well, no, no, no. You're too good for dot info. Come on. You have to have standards. Yeah, yeah come on, man. You're better than that. Um, F-tub. I don't know. They're doing all sorts of stuff now. Speaking of lacking standards, we really appreciate you joining the show. We know you're a busy man with a lot going on. His hand stirring a lot of pots, so to speak. But since you're here, can I do the honors of asking you, Mr. Goldstein? Of course. What are you working on recently? What are you putting your time into? Um, a bunch of stuff. I have, uh, I am an educator, so summers are sort of no school, but a lot of prep for the next year. So I'm just starting to think about that. It's now late June. So that's kind of like not quite on the front burner, but it's, it's brewing. It's, it's something I got to start paying attention to. I think I have to cut you off. We forgot he's a podcaster Vince we didn't even mention oh, that's it. true god damn it we were hoping to bury the lead but I'm sure we'll get to that because you've had some guests that we really admire and love so but continue continue sorry okay. we um so in terms of the school stuff that's kind of like starting to be something that's worrying me it's not quite, I'm pre-worrying I'm not yet fully <laughs> worrying um but mostly what I'm doing right now in terms of in terms of making work is I just uh, built a dark room in my house uh, a few months ago, and I've been actually doing a lot of wet photography. I've been doing mostly photograms, um, and pretty much every day I'm getting into the dark room and cranking out what a bunch of photograms. Yeah, yeah, it's it's something I've like always said I wanted to do, like forever, and I finally have like this extra room in this house we're in, and I was like, fuck it, dude, that's amazing, that's sensational. I'm a fellow film shooter, big fan. Ah, so there you go. Yeah, wait, when you say photogram, what do you mean by that? Uh, so photogram is basically a picture without film. And what you do is you take the, uh, in the dark room with the lights off and the red light on, you take uh, f- unexposed photo paper and you put shit on top of it and you shine a light and then you develop it. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like, uh, I mean, it's been done forever, but, but the big names are the sort of like Man Ray did a lot of it. Um, Maholi Naj, who's like my guy, my hero, mm-hmm. is, was a big influence. Um, and it's great because you need really nothing other than a dark room and like four trays and some chemistry and paper. So I don't need an enlarger or anything. And uh, I'm really enjoying it. It's been a lot of fun. It's been very um, surprising sort of what happens, which is kind of why I like it. I'm, I'm very excited about not knowing what it's going to do. And um, I have, uh, if I can, if I can pimp, I'll pimp out my, my link. I think you said you're right. I was like, yeah, hey. I was going to pimp my, I'll pimp out my photograms. Um, I'm posting a lot of the process up at Instagram.com slash mgoldst. So if you're curious to see what I'm doing, Sweet. most, most it out. throwing some stuff up well, there. Well, show notes. Uh, and who was the photographer hero you mentioned? Um, Laszlo Maholi Naj. Awesome. We'll show notes that and we'll show notes your Instagram. We'll pimp it out. That's what we and do I, here. Yeah. I'm expecting it. to learn a thing or two about photograms, which I'd never heard of until just today, just right now. I wouldn't say I have knowledge. <laughs> I just kind of do. Ooh, that's such a wise thing to say, though, right? Yeah. I, I think yes. You could tell me. 22. You could say Ram Dass said that or something, and I would be like, "Yes, of course he did. Just, of course." I revel in my own ignorance, and that way I'm safe. <laughs> 
but but maybe photogram expert that you are not, you do have a a high level of expertise on a variety of subjects, so much so that you have been trusted to educate others at a institute as rewarded and as respected as the Rochester Institute of Technology. Um, so before we get into your story, which I hope that we can at least crack the outermost layer on, let's introduce the topic at hand, shouldn't we, Grant? Hell, Vin, we came all the way out here. Let's, let's <laughs> dig into it. Um, so when I was familiaring, familiarizing myself with your work, something that kept coming up to me was you seem, and I hope that you correct me if I'm wrong, very purposeful and intentional and thoughtful when it comes to, to say it too vaguely, how you do the things that you do, the processes that go into it, the systems that go into it, and the method that goes mm-hmm. into the work that you do, be it podcasting, teaching, or writing. Or so that's And, and obviously photographing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's what we're hoping to talk about today. Method, everything that goes into what goes into before we do something. Right. Or maybe technically during, but I'm sure we can argue about that. <laughs> In I, fact, I, I hope we do. Per, perhaps maybe we could start. I mean, we, I think we want to hear a bit, a bit more of the bio as, as far as how you got here. But I am curious just if you could talk a little bit about your podcast. We don't have that many fellow podcasters on the show. And it looks like uh, as we we're digging through the archives, you had the Hood Sisters on who yep. were and in the 20s with us, Vin? No, earlier. Nine. The nine. The number nine. They're OG, man. And I <laughs> yeah, think they're OG really podcasts. Yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah. And I believe they're coming on again this summer, which I'm, and that, that would be make them only the second return guest in 10,000 Hours history. Well, I guess the fourth. Well, no, wait. Technically, they would be the third. <laughs> they would be the second and the third. Second and third. Yes, yes, exactly. Oh, math. Um, yeah. So, I'm, you want to just like tell us a little bit about your podcast, or tell the people about your podcast? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it started out totally as like a Twitter dare. Um, this uh, Australian uh, educator, uh, Helen Brennan, I think her name is, was sort of like tweeting at uh, Joshua Hardesty, who's my my co-host and I, just really casually, like two years ago, said you guys should podcast because we were both like being sort of Twitter snarky as we are prone to. Um, And I had never really thought about it before. I had been a guest on one other podcast called On The Grid, which is a great podcast that actually just stopped. Um, And I had been a guest on that and I realized it's like a microphone and Skype and it's really not hard. Like like content is hard, (laughs) but like the technology is super easy and essentially basically free to very low cost. And so it was kind of rolling around the back of my head like, oh, you know, this was like really fun. I really enjoyed the podcast. It's nice to have conversations. You know, maybe that's something I should think about, you know, 10 years later. Like not, it was never really a plan. Um, And then this tweet came at Joshua and I who had never met before. We had just kind of tweeted at each other and we were like, fuck it. Like, why not? Like, what's to lose? And so we started podcasting and, um, you know, we we agree on a lot of stuff. We disagree on a lot of stuff. Um, I think that, you know, he and I would both agree that we do it totally selfishly for ourselves first and for everybody else second, um, which I think makes it a lot, it makes it sort of valuable to more people because if we were really just about like hits or whatever, or, you know, we don't have any ads or anything, it's not something that makes money. Um, It's just a pure conversation about shit we care about. Um, 
And we've been really lucky to, I, I just happen to know some people through being me and he knows people. And the, the surprising thing is you talk to what I would consider to be real high-end people and you say, hey, can we talk? And almost always they say, sure. Mm-hmm. Like there's really no, you know, I, 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 I've said before on Twitter and I say this to my students, like if you like somebody who's doing shit and they are not dead, you should email them oh, yeah. and tell them that their stuff's awesome. <laughs> and it was as simple as, hey, you know, uh, Aaron Draplin, do you want to come on the podcast? He's like, sure, man, whatever. I, we, I mean, like, we, that was it. We can relate with that. We asked, yeah. uh, we were shooting this little mini documentary fucking, was it three, four years ago? Four years ago? Four now? years ago now. Oh my goodness. That was like the real start of our relationship. But we emailed him and we're like, we're going to be in town. Can we interview you for X amount? And we met, we met the man on uh, Mount Hood and we have a fantastic <laughs> interview with him. And, and really, that's like how I met a lot of really incredible people. And, and that's even how I think you got on this podcast. It was like, oh, sweet. This, uh, this kind of cool dude is in town for some, was it, was there like a design week or something happening here? How yeah, it was I, the uh, AIGA design competition. How did I miss uh, Minnesota that? design competition. I'm embarrassed. Yeah. I'm embarrassed. Uh, anyway. <laughs> I'm but, humiliated for you, Grant. <laughs> oh, come on. Man. I'm kidding. I, I didn't know it was happening either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, just a tweet. Even something as simple as that, it's like, uh, I, w- I was telling, I think I was talking to my sister a few days ago. I was saying like how I like tweeted this person and they responded. And I was like, oh, that's, that's fun that they responded. And she was like, oh yeah, like that's cool. I was like, yeah, you just, if you really like something, you can reach someone. And I've never, ever, ever been upset when someone likes something I've done and told me about it. I've only been super excited. Exactly. So why not do, why not do that? Like, yeah. I think every, I mean, I can't believe everybody doesn't have a podcast, you know, it's really, it's, and you know, not even podcasts, but like the conversations are so easy to have now. Mm-hmm. And there's so little friction between, you know, a freshman student in design school and somebody who's been an art director for 30 years. There's just, there's very little disconnect there now. So if you are interested in somebody's shit and you are able to like write a sentence, you should absolutely get in touch. Yeah. Because the worst thing that's going to happen is they're going to ignore you. Yeah. Nobody's going to say, you like my stuff, go fuck yourself. I mean, that's never going to happen. Yeah. There's no reason not to engage in the conversation. And and what I have found is almost always like interesting people are interested to talk about stuff they're interested in. Just just period. They just they're always up for a conversation. Story, absolutely. So yeah. Mitch, clearly yeah. you are correct. Yet the truth is people don't do it. Yep. So why aren't people getting in touch with the people that they admire or the people that they wish they could get in touch with? where they really could, but they don't anyway. The same reason the first time you ask that girl or guy you really like on a date, it's so hard. Because what if they reject you, right? Mm -hmm. But who gives a shit? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It doesn't matter. I think it's really, it's just shyness. I I think that, um, you know, I, I have students and I have people off the internet emailing me, you know, not every day, but often. And I'm never pissed. I'm always like, first of all, I'm super flattered. Anybody thinks I know what I'm talking about enough to even bother talking to me. So that's just from just a straight up, like being flattered point. And I have found really interesting conversations come out of these talks. And and we've gotten to talk to people on podcasts who are, you know, quote unquote famous people that most people probably have not heard of. And I have had equally incredible conversations with both. There's just there's just no reason not to to engage people in the dialogue. Well, totally. I think we've had similar experience. I think undoubtedly, Vince. A hundred percent. And 
I mean, Grant, you, you tackle most of the outreach. So I'm actually excited maybe from an insider perspective, kind of, sort of, from from podcasting specifically. But imagine you are a, a kind of shy person. Imagine you are trying to start your own conversational podcast. We're talking about method here today. What are some of the ways that you can either overcome it or what are some of the ways in which you can reach out in a more meaningful way, a more purposeful way? Because I'm not certain as someone just breaking into it, go ahead and tweet at them is enough for me to feel secure in doing that. I, I feel like there's some balance here, actually, though. It's like it, I like the analogy you used when you're talking about asking that guy or that girl out on a date. I think if we it's not like asking them on a date is asking them to prom. And that's like the equivalent <laughs> of like podcasting. It's sort of like a, a lightweight date. So I think I think that sometimes meeting somewhere in the middle is the method here. So instead of like having a jukebox on your shoulders and standing outside their window, like we're not like that's a bit much. But I think doing something lightweight that like acknowledges something they've done that shows that you actually care, like that I mean, it, I guess our example was like the context was you were in Minneapolis and that you're like involved in the design community. So that was one thing. But other times I think I've reached out to people because I really, really like a thing they did and like I want to talk to them. So like that's a good reason enough to reach out and acknowledging a piece of work they've done without being too overbearing. And then also just like being really simple with your request or your ask. You know, Ben, I think we have our process pretty simplified now and there's like not a whole lot of friction. So it's like, that it's just more directed and there's less like I think that's where a lot of like uh outreach falls short is just kind of rambly and it's the the real question is like okay what do you want from me you know not in like a pretentious way but like what 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 can I do for you right right yeah I think uh you should keep the bullshit to a minimum (laughs) you know just like be like hey I think your stuff's awesome I would love to chat with you you know or maybe if like you're in the same city as this person say hey can I buy you a cup of coffee not let me buy you dinner just like a 20 minute coffee, you know, and like you might be surprised. And and honestly, I always encourage students, even if they don't really want to have a conversation, just send the email saying, hey, I really like your work. I just want to let you know. You, you just you never know. I mean, you know how this business is. It's, it's you know, network and who you know is very important. Um, and I think that it's never bad. I think if you come off as a dick, then you've got a problem. But I think if you're, you know, a reasonable <laughs> person, then you're, you know, there's really no negative to it. Yeah, I I think there's maybe some application to like, let's take this outside of podcast land. And even when I'm thinking about like career path, and if we want to apply a method to that, like, and you're just really trying to think about that stuff, it's like, there's so much growth to be had by the the thing that stops a lot of us from expressing these things or putting themselves out there is because we're afraid of that what if, and we don't want to express that because it's dangerous. But if you do like, the more you do that, I feel like the more confidence you get and the more you build. And it's just like continuing to get into that arena is so valuable. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So maybe I wouldn't constitute this as pushback because it's not at all. It's, it's push with, but (laughs) when, when I was (laughs) TM, yes, exactly. When I was a, a youngster just getting into the industry, I heard the same advice, which is good advice, which was, have conversations with people, buy people coffee, you know, reach out, expand your network, go to the events, shake hands. And so I did that. And then when I sat down with coffee with them, um, I had no idea what to say, 
or why I was there, and I was completely tongue-tied. And I'm sure I wasted more than a few people's time in doing that. So what I would hope to chat about a little bit is maybe the method of conversation. How do you make your time with people that you're meeting for the first time, be it in a professional context or in a podcast setting, how do you make that time worthwhile for both parties? I think that's a tough question. And and from a podcast standpoint, I obviously do as much research as I can reasonably do. You know, I obviously look at people's portfolios. I make sure I understand sort of what their deal is, what their, you know, sort of philosophy is, what stuff they're interested in is, um, if they have done podcasts or interviews or things like that, I will certainly read those things. Um, but I think that I am talking to people primarily because there's something I've kind of like always wanted to ask them. And it could literally be like one question. Um, but what we have found, and Josh and I have really, we have debated how to do this, but sometimes we have literally like a giant list of questions. And whenever that happens, we invariably get to like two. And then the mm-hmm. conversation just goes. Um, and I am not, despite how I may or may not appear on the internet, I'm not an extroverted person. I'm really like, you know, pretty good to just be chill and quiet by myself. Um, but I get excited about exciting shit. And I found that if you're excited about this person you're talking to, then you're going to kind of just figure it out. It's going to kind of happen. Um, I have in the past almost thought of like, um, you know, one-on-one meetings and stuff like that. Is it like, an, like I'm interviewing them? So if I'm going to buy somebody a coffee, I would, I would sort of have some questions kind of ready to go. But I would hate to have it so, you know, like I cross off every time I say something on a piece of paper. And then it's like, okay, we've covered it. You know, I'm done. Um, but I just think that like, you know, people like talking about stuff they're interested in. And if you're interested, then it shouldn't really be that difficult. I think if you're only talking to somebody because you want something like a job or you just want, you know, a reference or, or an internship or something. I mean, I think that's going to kind of happen. It's going to, that's going to sort of be pretty obvious. It smells man. It's so smelly. Yeah. It stinks. But you know, to be fair to the people out there, that is sometimes the motivation. Yeah, I think, which is fine. I think the, the, the recommend in that situation for me would be to get excited about something they've yeah. done. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's on you to find common ground. And if you want a job there and that's why you're networking, we we get it. Like you have to do that kind of it's the nature of the industry. But there's no reason you can't also work to be authentic about it. Right. Right. Yeah. You can like align. I feel like there are two things I'm thinking about. You can like align the nectar. We've talked about that before, Vince. But uh, when we think about podcasting and you were talking about how it's a selfish endeavor for you guys, I mean, me and Vin are the same exact way. See, we're the epitome of selfishness. We provide no value to our guests whatsoever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we we just define the nectar as like the act, like the act of doing this is the nectar for us. Like we get it by just recording this by by talking with really, really interesting people and the rest is like gravy. And so I think mm-hmm. like you could apply that to, let's just say a coffee with someone is like figure out what the nectar is for you. And one way is definitely to get excited about something that they've done or that that's anything, anything to get you really like pumped. About. Actually, maybe just realigning your perspective of like it as like an achievable thing. And it's more like, oh, I get to have a conversation with this person. Like that's the reward. Not like, oh, I'm connected with them on LinkedIn now. And then now I can get a job. And then, you know, I think it's just like taking that perspective back. I also think uh, when we're talking about like emailing people about stuff we like and telling people we like things, 
Like, you'd actually be surprised in the reverse how little that gets done and, like, how meaningful and impactful that is from the creator standpoint. And also, like, with a, with a particular project, like, even with, okay, with you, Mitch, like, we could ask you about a specific book cover that you've designed and you probably haven't had, like, a super in-depth conversation with anyone about it. But you've probably gone really in-depth on that project. Like, you've spent a lot of time with it. You're going to mm-hmm. be excited to talk about that. Like, Absolutely. And, and I, th- I think we sometimes – and maybe this is a bit of a Midwestern thing, but we, like, we don't want to, like, bother people with, like, those, mm. those – that, min- that <laughs> minutia. But the reality is, like, that's so fucking exciting to creative types to get to talk about that stuff most times. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I have never met a designer who's not excited about talking about their work. Do you have a favorite project or a favorite book cover or like any memorable ones? Ooh, um, I, I, you know, they're all so different in so many different ways that, um, I, I mean, I, I, maybe, maybe you could even just talk about your approach. Cause like you've designed a lot of covers and, yeah. you, and you work with your wife, correct? Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that, um, you know, my wife and I met when we were both at RISD as undergrads. Um, and then we worked together. Um, doing lots of different kind of anything we can get sort of stuff. Like right when you graduate, you sort of take whatever comes in the door. Um, and then we eventually went to grad school together. What? And then, um, oh, what? That's so, what? at what point did you get married? Uh, we were married. We've been together for a really long time. We actually got married after grad school, but we had been like living together in a, in a committed relationship. Sorry, forever. that's just like so, really cool. We, yeah. Cause Vince and I have actually had this conversation about like, dating other creatives or quote-unquote creatives we don't want to go down that but like it just being in the same field as your um significant other is like a really interesting thing but oh yeah that's so great. cool you guys met in undergrad and then you went to grad school together was yep, that decision obviously conscious like you guys were yeah like, let's we, go together we said fuck it let's see what happens you know we we didn't really think that would happen we thought maybe like one of us would get in and then we'd like move down there or whatever um, but we both applied to VCU in Richmond, Virginia, and we both got in and we both got to go. It was insane. Like, it was very surprising. It was even reality. Um, but it happened and, and it was amazing. And then, um, you know, we've always worked together. And then we started kind of transitioning specifically into book covers. Um, it's something that we both have a lot of interest in, um, especially my wife, Anne, is very, very much into book covers. She did a lot of that in grad school, a lot of book covers, sort of research stuff. Um, and now we really design it together and, and it's totally collaborative and, and, um, you know, because I teach sometimes the balance shifts, like she does a lot of it and I do a little of it. Sometimes it's the other way around, but we definitely, you know, work together on everything. And, um, I don't know, I guess our, our pro it's hard to just explain the process, but I think we're primarily interested in sort of, um, I would say like surprise methodologies, like, doing stuff that is not predictable and doing stuff that is not going to be very obvious what is going to happen and sort of seeing what happens. And a lot of that is manifest through using a lot of like materials, like physical materials. Um, and I also, we also tend to do a lot of sort of photography and or scanning in our work. Almost everything we do, I mean, I mean, practically every project we've ever done somehow goes through like the lens of, of a camera or a scanner. Yeah. I wouldn't guess that when just looking at it. Like, yeah, a lot of it, like a lot of people say, Oh wow. What Photoshop sort of technique was that? And it wasn't, it was a physical. That's something. so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of like a strong emphasis on typography in the work too, from what I've seen at least. Yeah. 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 I think that we're really excited about, I've started describing it recently as type as material. 
like making shit from typography rather than like putting something, you know, putting type on top of something. Um, so we have all sorts of different, I mean, our, our studio is just piles of like stuff, you know? Um, and we have a lot of, we have, um, some like laser cut stuff out of like acrylic that are, that are fonts that we can like photograph and build stuff with. We have like clays and paints and we have a little like vinyl cutter we use for stuff to like cut paper and things. And, um, a lot of the work is really, it's like literally pushing stuff around, like physically pushing stuff around and kind of seeing what it does. And yeah, it's. I mean, it, we obviously we love it because we figure out a way to do it for like every single thing we do, oh. um, and it's uh, it's it's like really exciting. It's super frustrating. Um, it's very there's lots of like oh well fuck this moments in the process, but we always kind of come back around. And um, yeah, it's 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 been a really interesting way to approach the work, and I think book covers provides a really good place to do this kind of stuff. Um, you know, if we were designing annual reports or if we were designing, you know, stuff like that, it maybe not would work, but for a book cover, you can have a lot more play yeah. in a book cover than in other stuff. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's a pretty sexy like piece. Like I think a lot of people aspire to design for book covers. Um, how involved are you involved then with the like interior design at all or like the typography that's going on in there, the layout in there? Not at all. Wow. Um, and and that is a, it's sort of a different field in a way. Yeah. I mean, they're obviously related, but, you know, doing interiors, I mean, I would be interested to do that, but it would be a very, very different kind of game than the covers. For sure. Um, I think that the interiors of books that are, you know, primarily textbooks, it's really about, you know, just absolute expertise in typography and things like that yeah. and clarity um, and the, the stuff that yeah. we're into. Yeah. And the system and the grid and all that stuff. And the stuff that we are excited about is a lot less about, you know, like precise clarity and it is, than it is about more of an emotive expression kind yeah. of expression yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, I will say shouts out to a book I just finished last night, which is string theory. And it's uh, just a collection of Dave Foster Wallace's tennis essays. Mm-hmm. And it's like kind of a collector's edition. Like it's, Oh my God. It's so gorgeous. <laughs> it's really beautiful. We'll maybe show notes that, Oh, Hey Vince, we're going to make it big on our Amazon affiliate program here. No, it's just gorgeous. It's just like, it's, I don't know if it's letterpress on the front, but it's just like, it's inset and it's like vibrant colors and it's got these like really bold, like tennis ball, like close up macro kind of photography on the uh, inside cover and, out, and back cover. Just like, it's a delight to read. <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm, just, I'm I mean, hyped about I should, it. I'm just hyped I about check it. Check out the, the photography then. Is it, the- is it warm in here or is it? <laughs> <laughs> um, we're talking about method. I think. The part of your professional life that drew me personally immediately to the topic was that you're an educator. Um, I imagine that method in communicating to students and to building lesson plans and defining how to take um, information from knowing it personally to others understanding it. There has to be a process. The sausage has to be made at some point. Maybe you could talk about your personal approach to educating. Yeah, um, that's that's a huge question. <laughs> um, I think that I've over the years. I think this is my like. Let me just think. Like twelfth year teaching or thirteenth year teaching. So I've been doing it for a little while, and I've really been. And I spend a, obviously based on like a podcast and my Twitter account. Like I spend a lot of time thinking about 
how we teach design um, and how we teach this stuff. And I think what I've developed is um, really an idea of what they call student-centered learning. So there's like the old school way of teaching where like the old white guy stands on a stage and the students sort of look up at him as if he is a god and he sort of like proselytizes knowledge and the students write it down and then spit it back out at him. And that yeah, really that sounds doesn't pretty work good anymore. As a teacher, yeah, right? I mean, that's like old school, right? And, and that does not really... I mean, in my opinion, it does not work, especially in arts and design. So I'm really interested in in what's called student-centered learning, where the students are sort of grabbing the curriculum by the reins, and they are pulling out of their classes knowledge. Um, and I'm obviously there to sort of set up, I almost think of it more as setting up like frameworks, setting up ideas, setting up sort of topics things they need to know, things that are sort of relevant to their field, things that are relevant to what they're doing. And rather than me saying, okay, guys, these are the seven things you need to know. I say, what could you do with X? And then they kind of discover through the doing what they need to learn. Um, And that's like the really broad, like macro way of explaining at least how I tend to teach. Um, And that's not like every single day is like that, but, but that's the general ballpark is I'm really... You know, I mean, obviously I have knowledge, but I'm not necessarily correct. I may have more experience than an 18-year-old freshman, but that doesn't necessarily mean my way is like the right way. It's just the right way for me. So I'm trying to more expose them to developing their own creative practice, developing ways of kind of asking these questions and figuring out how to answer these questions. Um, And ultimately, I think a lot of education actually happens after you graduate. Um, I think that at least for an undergrad level, it's it's far more about giving them sort of a basic set of skills, a basic set of like how shit works, you know, how fonts work, how a grid works, how sequence works, how negative space works, like these real like, like building blocks of just creating design um, and giving them all these tools. And then ultimately, I think each student is really going to kind of synthesize it together in their own way. And that starts at school, but it doesn't really stop when you're done at school. I think it really gets going when you're out there actually practicing. Well, talk about a comprehensive answer. Yeah, I'm I mean, I, I mean, and I've been a long time. Hold on, hold on, so, Vince. Let's yes. get let's let's give. Uh, he's sort of our student since it's our podcast. What are you, mm. what, what are the mocks? What are the mocks you're awarding to this student? <laughs> I'll give him a B. Uh, I'm going to need more effort out of you, Goldstein. How <laughs> do they do it across the pond? They go one through six. One is one is best. Wait, what is Casa what? I, I, um, in England, how do they do the marks? They do oh. one through six, right? Uh, well, I don't know. Wait, is this before university or after? All right. I think we're, we, we've lost the plot. What I meant to say <laughs> is... That is that's a fantastic answer. Yeah, um, clearly, we were right. We are the real geniuses in proposing this topic because <laughs> it's clear that you have a very purposeful understanding of the methods that you use to impart wisdom. Now, my question would be: Did you come up with this idea? Where did you learn it yourself? Where did you learn to teach? Ooh, Ooh that's. That's an actually that's an extremely interesting question because what I did not do is go to school to learn to teach. I went to school both undergrad and grad to basically be a designer. Um, I, I did take a class in teaching practicum, which is more about just the nuts and bolts of teaching, you know, writing syllabi, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But really it came from 
you know, being at school, being excited about being at school. Um, I was very lucky that I got to be a teaching assistant, like my first year of college at RISD, which was very unexpected. It just kind of happened. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Like you can do this for a living. Like this is this guy's job. Like this is awesome, you know, teaching. And I kind of just paid attention to what happened. And I had teachers that were amazing and I had classes that I loved and that years later, I still remember, you know, things from them. Um, I had classes I hated and teachers I did not like. Um, but the really interesting classes were the classes that I actually hated when I took them, but realized how valuable they were later. Um, and there was a couple of classes like that, specifically at RISD, that while I was in them, I'm like, why are we even doing it? Like, what am I doing? Like, what is this going to do for me? And then years later, I realized, oh, okay, that's what we're talking about. And so I started to understand that that connect between like what you 18 year old or 19 year old student think you need to know and what you actually need to know are two very different things. And so I hope to present students with sort of all of this stuff and then they by the way, I teach kind of have to navigate through it in their own way. What I really am not interested in is making a bunch of sort of Mitch clones or like every single project looks the same from every student. I'm not really interested in that. I do think there's value to that depending on the class, but it's just not really where I've ever been. So it's really been like, like a lot of, you know, trying and failing. And I've been fortunate to teach for a long time and I've had a lot of classes and a lot of students. And I think I just have a sense. It's just, I can't really describe it. Like I, I wasn't, you know, taught how to do this. I just feel like I have a sense of how to get students to kind of take a bite out of this sandwich. That's like this really, really complex idea. It's very, very hard to do at a high level. But I also think that graphic design is actually very easy to do at a low level. It's like not hard to be a graphic designer. It's super hard to be really good at it. Mm. And so teaching the basics is actually not that difficult. You know, I, I obviously teach there's a lot of technology involved. There's a lot of these rules and things. But really the meaty thing, the thing that's really like the juicy bit is really this like higher level stuff that's very hard to teach. And and. I don't know. I guess I do it okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I certainly know I've had students who have said they really liked the class and got a lot out of it. And I've also had students who I'm certain despise the class. And I'm okay with both of that. Like, I don't, I, I'm okay if a student is not into how I teach because I'm not the only teacher they're going to have. And that's yeah. the only reason I can teach the way I teach. If it was literally like the Mitch Goldstein School of Design, nobody would ever be able to do anything. They would just like talk big and make sure the cameras or whatever, you know? So because I know they have all these other classes and all these other educators, I feel very good about kind of how I choose to approach it. Yeah. It's interesting too, thinking about it, like crystallizing later. And mm -hmm. also, and also you kind of as, as a parent or as a teacher or as like anyone in a position to hopefully impart or assist or help, I think you kind of have to reckon with the idea that maybe they won't like you right now, but long term, right. it will be good. That's a tough, yeah. that is a tough thing to reckon with though, especially if you're someone who likes to be liked and most people like to be liked. Of course, of course. But I feel like Vin, there's some things that we don't really like that maybe set us off the other path. Especially if we are people with like Mr. Goldstein would have a sharp eye for design and a familiarly a familiarity, if I can find the right word, with technology. Perhaps there are things 
in that sphere that you would like not very much at all at all and and maybe and maybe kind of like a dog you could keep it for a pet wait now you've lost me wait Uh, no you haven't okay uh each and every week (laughs) we like to take a a little break from the topic at hand to talk about something uh not particularly Particularly germane to the topic at hand which is the off topic topic this week we're talking about internet pet peeves mitch do you have any Oh, do we have enough time? I mean, <laughs> we have we, all we're the gonna do time another in the world, Mitch. Um, internet pet peeves. Um, oh God, there's so much. Um, what have we done? <laughs> I think like the thing that's really been. There, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that annoys me, but the thing that's really irritating the shit out of me lately is I am constantly seeing, and I just tweeted this the other day, like people bitching about their clients on the internet. Mm. First of all, there's so many reasons why you shouldn't do that, not the least of which is you're using your own name on your Twitter account for most part. So any client you have has Google, you know. Yeah. Um, but I'm just really over that. I'm really sick and tired of this notion that clients are the enemy and, like, you're smarter than they are and they're just assholes with a checkbook. I, that just drives me apeshit. And, and it's so childish and it's so immature and it really defeats the whole purpose, the whole, the whole value a designer offers to a client. Um, you know, you're not there because you're smarter than they are. Like, that's not the relationship, you know? It's really got to be a sort of symbiotic relationship. So that's something that has dri- just drives me nuts every time I see it. But I'm also not like the internet police either. So if you want to <laughs> shit about somebody you're working with, then you can do it. But I think it's stupid. I, I think I think it's stupid, too. I, that's, I mean, that's a whole another podcast, too. But it really is, like, I, I feel like when people are complaining about their clients, my question is, like, well, if you're that upset, why don't you figure out a better way to manage them or why don't you communicate this with them? It seems like a lot of that energy comes from the person not actually communicating what they need out of the relationship. Yeah. And it just ends up getting bent up and spit out on them. Vinny, okay, I am actually kind of curious because what what are your current internet? You're sort of a you're I know you're a Reddit boy. Oh, <laughs> I could I could do a whole podcast about why Reddit is the best and worst site on the internet. So I'll eschew I'll that for for maybe right now. Any Reddit fans out there, write to me personally. Let's have an in depth conversation about why that cesspool is the single best and worst thing to ever happen. Two online, I think I, mine's kind of a meta answer, which is totally betraying the point. But I hate how people act like they are kind of in the know or kind of extra wise or or maybe it's just a self-apologetic type of thing for not getting on the latest trend. Uh, So maybe this is not clear what I actually mean in the way that I explain it. So let's let's take kind of an old hat trend at this point, but it's a popular one at least with the people that I work with and interact with, Snapchat. Mm -hmm. So it's become fashionable to peg Snapchat as this like young people thing that I'll never understand, even among the late 20s crowd, which is really, they have no excuse, right? Well, nobody has any excuse. But what I don't like is that certain internet trends sort of have cachet in the fact that people ignore them, if that makes any sense. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, so just, like, bandwagon, like, 
yeah bandwagon cynicism like yeah, yeah, yeah. what makes snapchat any different than any other internet trend it's not that you need to be in on it you just don't need to brag about not being in on it yeah right it's a, it is a, it kind of is like a humble brag in a different form Exactly, in the form of ignorance. Yeah, a humble neg. A humble neg. A humble neg. <laughs> I, I think, I TM. Feel, I feel okay. man. That's two, two for this podcast. That's pretty good, Mitch. Uh, hey, your I'm marks. Trying. Your marks are improving. Excellent. Um, Excellent. I, I, to piggyback a little bit on on the idea of complaining about clients, I also just roll my eyes so fucking hard at the like over glorification of the hustle. Just especially especially among the like creative class because it's just like oh my god we come like we get it you're grinding you're doing it's just and and connection is really important so I feel like you know if you're expressing and communicating these things it's like there's something to that so I don't want to rip on it so hard but it's just like over and over and over like at a certain point I just I just can't like we're not especially in the creative field especially people who are aspiring to like do somewhat self promotional type of like long-term dream things. Like if maybe that's like making it in some sort of like, let's just say music, like they're trying to become like this big music person, whatever. It's just like, this is not, this like doesn't need to be glorified. I think it, it can be a noble pursuit, but just sometimes it's just like to make yourself seem like a martyr for pursuing a, like a largely like, individual and self-fulfilling seeming kind of pursuit is just like <laughs> wow man, this has got the cynicism cast man we're talking, <laughs> like, hey, we're talking about pet peeves um you, you had such a great answer i almost hesitate to make you go back to the well mitch but can we get a little pettier even can we <laughs> can we get can we get super granular like, um, this is cliche, and it's not one of mine personally. I actually don't mind this at all. But using too many hashtags, for instance, that would be that would be an, an instance of super petty internet pet peeves that I'm really looking for. I'm really trying to savor it. <laughs> okay. I'll t- okay, I'll tell you one that drives me nuts. Um, and then I'm going to stop being neg. <laughs> so this is going to be it for the negative, right? All right, all right. We're sorry um, we made you do this. But. It's the... Um, the auto tweeting of how many followers you either lost or gained today. That's wise. Yep. That's that's just mind numbing. That that's. I Ooh. there's so many reasons why that's just not working for me. <laughs> I mean, it, it's infinitely bad in in so many ways. But again, hey, you know, that's how you want to use your sort of social media prowess. Then, Respect. whatever. Yeah. Follow your bliss. Now, <laughs> yeah. I'm, now I'm just remembering the like. Okay, one one is like the cold email from a clearly like a sales email or something like that. That just like are it sucks most times already. Like they clearly haven't actually done any research. Uh, but then the follow up or the follow up follow up on that same email is just like I have found myself typing out so many times. I just <laughs> I hit the R, the hotkey in Gmail, and then I type fuck off, and then I'm like what am I doing? And then I delete it. I'm just like, what am I like? What, what am I doing? But it, uh, it does just drive me bonkers for a quick moment. And then I get back on the sunny side of the internet where I'm connecting with great humans and we're all okay. And we'll all, absolutely. Right. That's what it's all about. There are certain things 
about the internet in particular that make it easy for us to annoy one another, I would say. But at the end of the day, it's truly one of the most amazing things mankind has ever created. And it allows for stuff like this that we're doing right now. We wouldn't have known about you without the internet. We couldn't be talking to you without the internet. And let me be the first to say, this has been an awesome conversation, um, illuminating and fun. So thank you for taking the time, Mitch. Gentlemen, thank you for having me on. I'm always happy to talk. It's great to talk to you. I appreciate the time. Great. And I'm glad that you love talking because we still have two questions for you, Mitch. That's how we sign the show off. Nice. They are as follows. How can our listeners support you? Uh, You could listen to my podcast. That would be great. Throughprocess.com. Through process. What if they try a little something where they do uh, either two sets of headphones or two different uh, speakers and play our podcast and your (laughs) podcast simultaneously. Nice. I feel like that could be, I don't know, sometimes creative. And then you play the Wizard of Oz at the same time. Backwards. And it goes backwards. (laughs) (laughs) Right. right. No, that's good advice, though. Um, And I'll I'll throw in, check out your your site, too. You've got some awesome work on there, um, both in terms of writing and some of your cover designs, uh, all of which clearly had some very serious method go into it. Right. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Uh, and secondly, Mitch, yes. if you would want our listeners to take one thing away from your time on the show, what would you want that to be? Hmm. And that's it. It's been a great and show. And we're done. <laughs> um, and that's wrap. Say, honestly, no joke, the, the thing that I most try to teach my students, the thing that I feel like most comes out of most of the conversation on the podcast, the thing that as a practitioner, as a maker that I most care about, all of these things is about being you. Yes. And I don't mean that cheesy and ultra, you know, and, and like, like, you know, Instagram it in hand lettering kind of corny shit. I mean, like you need to be you and you need to navigate your way through, you know, design, life, whatever on your own terms. And I think that part of why I've been very fortunate to be you know, relatively successful is I realized that kind of my own attitude towards the work is more important than what I think the other people want me to do. Um, And that doesn't matter whether you're working for clients or not. So I really think that like walk away from this conversation being you and not being afraid to really take your practice, take your business, take your whatever creative output kind of as you want to do it. And, And ultimately the best students I have are the most them, I think. Yes, Mitch. Fuck God, yeah. Preach. Dude, okay, Seriously. Can I, dude, I had I had like I actually got goosebumps there. Can I tell you why? As, <laughs> as you were as you were saying, uh, the thing I teach my students most, I was just writing myself a note here. As I was like thinking about that, I was like, Oh, I wonder what the most like important thing like I feel that I would talk with other people about. I wrote do you down and then you're like be you and I was just like ah ha, ha. I was sitting over here just like hyped because that is it man we, yeah. I mean, the first two fucking years of this show we were like realizing that self-awareness was like the most important thing coming out of most of our conversations and then now we've sort of evolved that to self-definition which really is that which is like oh yeah who are you like now go do that now be that like do that in all the things you do and you're not you don't have to worry about anything else because you are being yourself and like that. exactly yeah I, I would drop the mic, but it's like a glass. It, there's just like so many things. There are so many reasons I can't, but I would. 
Grant, who says you can't <laughs> drop the mic? Be you. Yeah. Be right. you and drop it. Um, Don't let the man hold you back, Grant. Yeah, exactly. Oh, there we go. That's the that's the auto cue we were all looking for. Mitch Goldstein, thank you again so much. You've been a treasure to be on the cast with. Uh, and and thank you for all the good work that you're doing on your own show and out in the world of educating young creative people. Uh, it's generous. It's a generous pursuit, and we thank you for that. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Truly a pleasure to be here. Mitch, yes. Man, what a generous dude. You're the man. Thank you. This was so fun. It's so fun to have a good guest who's hyped and doing awesome shit. Can you drop the mic for us in the customary 10,000 hours fashion? We ask our guests to proverbially drop the mic by signing us off with a little ship it. With ship it? Yeah. With ship like, it. That's it. With ship like, it. That was it? Ship it. Well, that was maybe muddled. Hold on. Could we do one more? You you literally want me to say the word ship it enthusiastically? Well, exactly no, hold it. on, hold on. No, Wait. Vince. I don't, I'm not going to tell you to do it enthusiastically. You do it how you want to do it, Mitch. This is the Mitch Goldstein right, ship right, it. Go. This isn't ours. Ship it. <laughs>